Okay, it looks like it's that time again. Welcome everyone to the next episode of Coaching and Coffee with Keith. This topic today seems to be a very hot one because hundreds of people have signed up for this session. And as you can see, the topic of today, how to successfully interview, hire, and onboard employees remotely. So why this topic today? Because right now, this is one of the hottest topics that I'm working on with clients, whether it's improved retention of top talent uh, or acquisition of new talent. This is something where it's really impacting every organization today, which is what I'll be sharing with you in one minute. Uh, before, just a little housekeeping. And don't worry about jotting down all the notes. I'll actually be sharing with you this exact slide and PowerPoint. So this way you can focus on the message. Uh, share your questions, please, because your questions are going to help everyone else who's viewing this session. And in terms of the questions, I'm gonna take about 30 to 40 minutes, probably less than 40 minutes, going through my presentation. And we're gonna leave the last 10 minutes or so open to those questions where I'll be responding to them then. Uh, finally, uh, at the end of our program today, I have a special offer for only the attendees here. So let's get started. Uh, the fact is, unfortunately, uh, uh, Streamline does not allow for animation. So some of these will be a little busy. I'll do my best to use my point and follow along. But to lay it down as a top level, what are our objectives today? Number one, make the right hire every time. Number two, identify the red flags during the onboarding process and during the first 30 days on the job. Successfully onboard and transition your, your new hire into the organization. It's not only just onboarding them, but it's transitioning them into your organization, to the people they're working with, and to the culture. Uh, reduce turnover and retain top talent and of course, with all the best practices that we'll be working on today, we also need to identify the toxic strategies that lead to making the wrong hire. So let's get started right now. Uh, here's the scary current landscape of the workplace, guys. And I couldn't make this stuff up if I tried. So I'm going to go through this with pretty quickly with you. Again, you're getting this PowerPoint, you're getting this presentation. So I wanna be as laser focused as possible to focus on the strategies that you can execute as soon as we're done. So the current landscape right now, one third of new employees quit after six months. In the 2021 Bureau of Labor Statistics, the overall turnover rate was 57%. The most common reason, poor management practices. Hmm. The second most cited reason, lack of career development opportunities. And third was simply a bad culture fit. Now, Gallup finds that companies fail to choose the candidate with the right talent 82% of the job and 94% of people said they would stay at their current employer if they invested in long-term learning, development, and coaching. Now, let's bring all of this home together and see where it all connects. Managers influence 75% 
of the reasons why employees leave organizations. 37% said their manager was not even part of the onboarding process. And finally, to bring this home, which to me speaks to this arching challenge, which were all experiences, which is the Gallup organization reported that nearly 81% of employees are actively disengaged, the highest number ever. So we're going to spend the rest of our time how can you make the right hire? How can you interview effectively and ask questions that you've never asked before? And how can you onboard effectively so that the person is well-equipped to succeed in their new position? So let's get started. Typically, the um, hiring process looks like this. You know, you have your interview and then you have your hiring process and we, we go ahead and make an offer. And then, of course, once they're hired and we choose a start date, the onboarding begins in a perfect world. Well, let's take a look here what the complete formula for hiring success is. Yes, of course, we need to interview. And once we interview, we qualify or disqualify that candidate. The next step is we offer uh, and offer them a position and we make the hire. Then the onboarding kicks in. But here's what's missing. It's the daily coaching and reinforcement and ongoing development once the onboarding has concluded. And that's why we can go back to those statistics and everything we're talking about here will support what we just looked at on the prior slide. So let's start off with the interview process, right? Um, if we're gonna be interviewing someone, we need to know what we're interviewing for. So the best companies would create a job description. Sounds kind of basic, yes? Well, here's my question to you. Does your job description identify the skills and characteristics of the ideal candidate? Because many times I often see in job descriptions what that person is accountable for. I don't see the who. Who are the type of people that thrive in our culture? What are the core characteristics and values they possess that would make them thrive and be aligned with our organization? So we can't just focus on what we need them to do. We also need to take what our ideal profile of an employee looks like and ensure it's also included in our job description. Just like you would have your, your profile of your ideal prospect or customer, you would need a profile of your ideal hire. Now, this is a job description I pulled off uh, uh, online. So I couldn't make this up if I tried here. So let's just take a quick look at what a bad job description looks like. Okay, hardworking. I have no idea what that means. Punctual, physically presentable, fashionable. She must be attractive, must violate how many HR compliance uh, rules? Able to do modeling, dancing for social media, promotions of productions, music videos, concerts. Good at sales. Okay, well, that's really specific. 
uh, good telephone manner. So far, we have no idea what this company is looking for when it states hardworking, punctual, physically presentable, good telephone manner, good sales skills, good organizational skills, willing to train, uh, willing to do odd jobs, willing to travel abroad, all trips paid for. Now, there might be a couple of things in here which might actually make a job description, but as you can see, the majority of things are way too amorphous and vague to attract the right people. And that's when companies wonder why, Keith, I'm getting all these resumes, but as I'm sifting through them, only a very small percentage of them are actually a potential candidate. Well, let's keep going and now go deeper into some of the toxic traps you need to avoid when making a hiring decision. Now, as a coach, I often don't talk in absolutes, always and never. But in this situation, I'm putting the never word out there to you. So number one, never hire from a place of need versus a place of choice. Let me give you a very clear example. There you are as a manager. You just lost a rep that was covering a pretty large territory. Uh, of course, you didn't see it coming. And now you're in triage mode. You have to get a replacement for that rep as soon as possible. Because of course, right now, there's a lot of collateral damage. Yes, um, competition is coming in, lost market share. Uh, inability to service current clients. So when, when companies hire from a place of need, they're hiring from a place of fear and scarcity. And what winds up happening is that if you have your personal core values and your company core values, because you are at a place of need, you will wind up compromising them and then in a month or two, wonder why that person is not a fit. Hey, listen, you can never make a wrong hire a right fit. Just like if you put the proverbial lipstick on a pig, it is still a pig. And of course, I'm not referencing your people to pigs. But the point I'm making here is if you compromise your values and standards, the wrong decision will always be made and you will spend the rest of that person's career trying to make the wrong hire the right one. What we need to do is make a fundamental shift to hire from a place of choice. Now, what does that mean? It means you're hiring with intention. It means your, your, your values are non-negotiable. Why? Because you have created what I call a reserve. You know, we talk about the ABCs of leadership, always be coaching. When it comes to building a bench of future talent, ABR, always be recruiting. Develop that reserve of people so you don't lose someone and then are in a state of reaction trying to fill their position. Another thing to, continue, to uh, consider is this. There are times when uh, we, uh, of course, many managers, if not all of them, we truly want our people to succeed. And of course, we want our new hires to succeed. Here is a common trap 
amongst leaders. We can't want more for the other person than they want for themselves. We can't care more for the other person than they care about their job. These are things what I call the seduction of potential that you see in others. You may have been there before. You have a salesperson that is performing for a year and all of a sudden they're stop. Their numbers slip. But you're thinking to yourself, I know this person can perform, so I'll give them another couple of months. And a few months pass. And this salesperson comes to you during a, a forecast review and says, hey, boss, listen, I know I didn't hit my number last quarter, but I already have some really solid deals in the pipeline. They're definitely going to close this quarter. So you let another three months go by. Three months go by, you have another review with your salesperson and they share with you, hey, boss, listen, you know those deals I was going to close last quarter? Well, they didn't make it over the finish line, but they're definitely going to close this quarter. And of course, what's the manager thinking? Well, I really need this deal. We really need the revenue. I'll give that person a little more time. And then you turn around and wonder why you have an underperformer on your team for six months, three months, one month, a year, two years. We can't be seduced by the potential we see, which is why during the interview process and beyond, we need to create certainty. And the only way you can be certain of how your people perform is through uh, intentional, proactive observation. So let's now shift gears here and take a look at the 11 steps to effective onboarding. 11 steps to effective interviewing? And we didn't even get to the onboarding yet? Now, some of you might be thinking, Keith, you have 11 steps here in the interview process. I have about three or four. Well, I can tell you right now, this is actually a median point of most companies. I know many of my clients that actually have 17 steps in their hiring process. Some others have 12 steps. Now, one might ask why? Well, of course, number one, the more thorough you are, the more apt you're going to be to hire the right person. But number two, think about it. It's almost uh, initiating the loss of, of, of self-reflection uh, self, self uh, and making that decision on your own. Okay, so if I know uh, that I have to go through 12 or 13 or 11 interviews with this one company, I better be really sure I want this position. Otherwise, you know what? I'll self-select and bow out. It's a process of self-selection as well. So let's go through this one process here. Initial interview screening. Now, keep in mind, some of you may already do this. Some of you may do something like this. Maybe the order is, is shifted around a little bit. That's okay as long as you're covering these points. Now, for me, I envision this to be a chronological flow of how it should go. Number one, initial screening. If you're getting a lot of, uh, getting a lot of uh, uh, whether it's referrals, you're getting a lot of uh, 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 candidates uh, calling in, uh, people are sending you tons of their resumes, 
Uh, what's the first thing you need to do? You need to have someone scream through those uh, people. Uh, and that person can have a set list of questions that they are asking the initial during the initial conversation with the people that have applied for this position. And at that point, this person who's doing the initial interview has the opportunity to also very quickly disqualify or qualify this candidate. So you as the manager or the person who's making that hiring decision is not wasting your time. Step two, interview with that person's manager. Part of the phases of a successful hiring process is connection, okay? The, we as leaders today need to make a deeper connection with people than ever before, especially in our remote workplace. So we need to interview um, and make sure if I'm a candidate, I wanna meet my manager. I also wanna meet other decision makers or influencers. What about interviewing with my peers? I've heard many times that people are on their best behavior when they're being interviewed by you or other decision makers. But sometimes when they're with peers, their true colors come out and their peers can get a very interesting insight that you may not be able to get yourself. Here's something interesting, customer interview. Now, I'm going to make an assumption that most of you have pretty good relationships with the majority of your customers and some amazing relationships with, with a few of them. What would be possible if you asked one of your top customers if they could actually talk to someone you're considering hiring? The more points of view and perspectives you get, the more you can be certain of whether or not you're making the right hire, okay? So let's keep going now. Uh, interview prior employer. Uh, you know, to me, I would love to make that a non-negotiable. Clearly, if they're just coming out of school or if it's their first job, that might be a little difficult. But to me, uh, that really needs to be a, a non-negotiable because uh, in my world, uh, if someone isn't willing to connect me to their prior employer, that's a red flag right there, okay? Now, number six, excuse me, number six, assessing written, oh, excuse me, guys, sorry about that, getting so excited uh, that I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, bear with me for one second here as I go back. Okay, uh, so where we are right now is we just talked about peer interviews. What about employer interviews? Okay, talked about that. Uh, what about assessing written communication? This is a huge one. And guys, I'm gonna send you this uh, document. So again, it's gonna be in, the, in, in this PowerPoint that I send you. The biggest miss that people have when looking to hire and assess whether or not someone is a fit is they fail to assess their communication. I'm not necessarily talking about their verbal communication. I'm talking about their written communication. So the, the strategy that I'm going to be sharing with you, I'm going to summarize like this. Whether the person is working remote or they're in their office, this does not matter. Here's what it sounds like. You get on the phone or a video conference with that person or face-to-face, -face and you say, listen, 
I have three emails from three distinct people. Two are from customers, one is internal. One of the customers' email is sharing with you how they may be going with your competitor. Another email is an irate customer that you need to call and pacify and realign expectations around. And the third email was from one of your coworkers where there's a problem that you have to handle and it seems to be pretty timely. You have 20 minutes, Mr. or Mrs. Candidate, to respond to these three emails. Whether you put them in a room uh, in your office or if they're home remotely, keep in mind, they can't cheat. They don't have 20 minutes to go ahead and research online the best formula for formatting an email. They can't call their buddy and say, hey, listen, can you help craft these emails for me? Because I'm going to assume, just like you, when my kids were five, they could have written better crafted emails that I see from VPs of billion-dollar organizations. So how do you test communication? Most of the people that you're hiring are spending their time written communication. We need to assess that, okay? And in 20 minutes, you're going to get these emails back quickly assess how effective their email is, how effective they put the, the email together, uh, grammatical mistakes, um, how they presented that email, uh, hopefully not scrolling in it. And also, it also demonstrates how this person may work under pressure. So as you can tell, as my friends say in Boston, that's a wicked, wicked powerful exercise to do. So let's keep going here. Uh, assessing written communication, then a second interview with you. Or maybe they complete an assessment. Or maybe they do both. Number eight, shadowing a coworker if possible. In a remote world, it can be possible because that candidate can dial up into a meeting that one of your current employees uh, are currently uh, scheduled for, whether it's a, a client meeting, a prospect meeting, or delivering a presentation. That could be also shadowing a coworker. Listen, you want every candidate to get as clear of a picture of what their daily life would look like in this position. Because if you do not articulate and clearly paint that picture, the good and quote unquote the bad, guess what? They're going to find out anyway, and they're going to leave and think about what that costs you in time and money and lost sales. Okay. So then we offer the position uh, or we disqualify them. And then we do the background checks. Now, of course, I don't have to spend time on this. My hope is all, all everyone here, my HR friends and friends in sales enablement are going through those background checks, checking references, checking their social media, checking their online reputation and presence. Even some people go so far as to verify the salary of their, of their prior position. So there are the 11 steps. Let's keep going. Here we are now, the interview. Now, again, I know there's 11 questions staring you in the face. Uh, unfortunately, as I said, the animation doesn't work on this platform. 
So I'm going to do my best to use my laser pointer here. But if what I want for you to notice here, and many of you are thinking, Keith, listen, I don't need help with interviewing. I, I've been interviewing for years. I've been doing this such a long time. I get it. What I'm pointing out here are the questions that most managers or interviewers are not asking. These are the deeper behavioral interviewing questions. See, here's the thing, everyone. If you ask someone, um, what would you do on the first 30 days uh, you know, in this job? Anyone can fake strategy. Oh, you know, the first 30 days, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Manager, you know, first of all, I want to spend some time with you and go over the job description, make sure I'm very, very clear with what your expectations of me, key performance indicators, uh, any quota, or anything that you're measuring me against, okay? Then what I'd love to do is I'd love to talk to your A, B, and C players to get a really broad perspective of what each of them are doing. Once I do that, I'm going to want to work with you on making sure I'm fully onboarded and comfortable with the CRM that you're using. Uh, start cleaning out any pipeline if you're giving me or start building my pipeline uh, and start doing the research that I need to become a subject matter expert, not only of our company, but of our industry and also of our customers. Doesn't that sound so good? Anyone can fake that. You know what you can't fake? Communication, scenarios. Let's take a look at a few of these right now. What would your prior supervisor say if I asked what your strengths and areas of opportunity were? Hmm. What was your supervisor's name and title? Where is that person now? Are they still there? Would your boss hire you back? Why or why not? Remember, questions that most people are not asking during the interview process. Okay, let's take another look here. What, and again, I already shared with you guys, would you be willing to arrange for us to talk with them? If they're not willing to connect you and their prior employer, that's a red flag for me, okay? How do you go about organizing your schedule? What are some of the values you have you refuse to compromise? What a powerful question to see if their values are aligned with yours and the company's. What are the most difficult criticisms for you to hear and accept? Just stop me when you've asked all these questions. Okay, now let's get deeper now and situational. You're hiring them for a sales position. If you were to call on a prospect for the first time, what would your message sound like? They can't fake that. You just delivered final product or service to a customer. They called you irate. Let's say I'm the customer. What would you say? What would this dialogue sound like? They can't fake that. Number 10, when speaking with a process, what would be your strategy to position yourself as the vendor of choice? What would you say? What questions would you ask? And finally, how would you craft your presentation and set expectations of the meeting? What would your presentation look like? What would it sound like? See, these are the things that are going to help you very quickly disqualify the candidates that you should not be hiring in the first place, okay? Now, I'm gonna shift gears a little bit on here because I know that there are some people out here watching this session and are thinking, you know what, Keith? Uh, 
this is great. And I either love or don't love my company. And the situation is now presenting myself where I'm leaving my current position and uh, I have to go looking for another position. All right. Well, I just want you to know that I have your back here because the big miss for those that are being interviewed are the questions the interviewee needs to ask the interviewer. And the worst ones you can start with are, you know, what is what, do, what am I responsible for and how much am I getting paid and what's the vacation uh, and how much time do I get off? If I'm asked those questions in the first five or six, they're not a fit. Look, I gave you 13 questions for you to ask the interviewer. You need to interview. The interview strategy goes both ways. I'm just going to highlight a few of these. Again, you're going to be getting all of these. Number one, how can I make your job easier? Now, remember, you're the person being uh, who's doing the interviewer, interviewing. I am now being interviewed, and I'm asking you, how can I make your job easier? How many times did a candidate ever ask you that question? About this one, how can I deliver the most value to the company in this position? How soon after being hired do you expect the new salesperson to start performing? If you don't have that information, they can keep moving the goalposts on you, okay? What's the overall company vision and mission statement? How would you describe the culture of the company? How would you describe your management style? Why do you love to work here? And here's an interesting question. What percentage of the salespeople are hitting or exceeding their sales targets? Why? If I was a salesperson looking for my next sales career, that is certainly something I'd want to know. So let's keep moving here and keep the momentum going. Now let's shift back. You are doing the interview. I want to share with you some language never to use and some language you can use to help that conversation open up and for you to learn more about the candidate. If you're going through the interview process and are explaining about the company or the culture or your products, don't ask, do you have any questions? How many times have people said, oh, actually, I have tons of questions. I'm a complete idiot and I have no idea what you're talking about. That question challenges people's ego. Instead, look at these questions. How does this align so far with what you're looking for and what you want to hear? What questions, if any, do you have around fill in the blank? What has grabbed your attention so far that we need to discuss further? As we begin to discuss this position in more detail, what are the main points you'd like me to highlight? And instead of asking, do you have any questions, you want to put the responsibility of communication on you. Am I making myself clear? Is there anything I said that wasn't clear that I need to clarify? The responsibility of, of the message they receive as well as the message delivered is 100% on you. You asking them, don't you have any, do you have any questions? Now you're challenging them and making it their responsibility. So. I want to pose this question to you. Now that we've covered a lot of the foundation here of, of, of uh, what the interviewing process looks like, you know, what is about that onboarding process and making that higher? 
Um, well, what's the relationship between your job description, your ideal candidate, and your onboarding process? It is this. If you have a robust job description, remember, you are listing all of the things that they are very specifically responsible for. Not, hey, you're responsible for selling. You're responsible for making 500 cold calls a week, okay? Don't change the rules on them in the middle of the game. If they found that out after they were hired, that may influence their decision on whether or not they want to stay within the company, okay? So we need to be exceedingly specific and also here with the who part as I share. What are those characteristics? Honesty, integrity, curiosity, collaboration, um, care. Uh, those are the who's, not the what. So now you have your clear job description. You have your ideal list of all the activities and the characteristics of who the type of person is you want to hire. Well, now take a look at your ideal candidate in your hiring process. If you have done a really good job creating a job description, in essence, me saving you time, you've also created the outline for your onboarding process. You've also created the outline for your ideal candidate and employee. Just like my hope is you would create a profile for your ideal customer. So we're still in the interviewing process and great companies realize that if you're still having the same conversations, whether you're hiring, uh, selling, managing, that you were having pre-pandemic, that you're having today, you're already setting yourself and your people up for failure because the new sales strategy the new leadership strategy is one simple word, care. So think about your interview process and just ask yourself, am I taking the time to set expectations, not only around the role, but around my role and coaching? I don't know many managers that do. Number one, because they don't know how to coach. I mean, number two, it wouldn't even cross their mind. So I'm just going to rift a very simple enrollment statement that you can use when enrolling a candidate in coaching. Uh, Mr. or Mrs. Candidate, what I want for you is uh, to be as successful as you can in this role. And uh, we pride ourselves on having a very strong coaching culture. And I know many people have different definitions of coaching and different experiences of coaching. So what I'd like to do is have a specific conversation just around coaching so you can understand my style of how I lead and develop you and what you can expect when you come to me with certain challenges, problems, or goals that you're looking to hit. Are you open to having that conversation? What did you just do? You set positive intent. Because if you just start asking them the questions that I'm going to share with you on the other slide and they don't know what your intention is, hear me when I say, when your intentions aren't clear, people default to fear. Outside of work, 
your coworkers, your peers, your boss, your customers, and your prospects. So now that you've enrolled them in wanting to have a conversation around coaching, here are the questions. And again, I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. Number one, how do you like to be managed? Do we actually ever take our time and just ask that very specific, simple question? How would you define coaching? Now, again, many people have had good experiences and bad, which means number three is critical. Have you ever been coached before? What was your experience? If they had a good experience, great. But what if they had a bad experience? Number four, if you need to redefine the parameters and definition of coaching so it's valuable for you, what would it be? That's all part of your onboarding and recruiting process. What would your expectations of me be of our coaching? Uh, what concerns, if any, do you have around our coaching and what we discuss? That's a billion-dollar question because keep in mind, you're not saying what concerns do you have because maybe they don't have any. You're adding, if any, to make the question neutral. What concerns, if any, do you have around our coaching and what we discuss? Okay. Number eight, how are you feeling about this point and about our conversation and what we discussed? Number nine, the coaching accountability agreement. What is the coaching accountability agreement? It basically allows you to hold each one of your coaches accountable in an easy way, while they also get to hold you accountable as well. And just think about how much deeper the trust will be built if you give permission for your directs to coach you as well. So the coaching about accountability agreement simply sounds like this. Listen, I'm trying to be the best coach I can be for you. And I know uh, I want for you to achieve the success you want in your career. Um, here's what I'd like to do is set up an agreement. So we're both accountable for making sure we're supporting each other in helping us reach our goals and the company reach our collective goals. So here's what I'd like to do. Um, as I'm coaching you or as I'm managing you, which by the way are synonymous, uh, if I ever do anything that uh, lands on you negatively or you have a negative reaction to, can you please let me know and call me out? I want you to. Oh, sure. And by the way, if, if I notice any behavior that you might be engaging in that might be either hurting your brand or relationships or performance, is it okay for me to approach you and bring it up? Absolutely, boss. Look at what you just did. For all of you who hate conflict and confrontation, you just eradicated it with one question, okay? By just creating the coaching accountability agreement, they get to call you out and you don't have to worry about calling them out because they gave you permission. So at this point, it's just time to go ahead and schedule your first coaching session. All right. Now, as I mentioned before, it's not just about these typical questions that most people ask during an interview, but going deeper to understand their personality, motivation, and values. Uh, and again, just going through a couple of these, knowing that you're going to be receiving these questions, I want to go through the ones that jump out at me. Number one. If what gives you a sense of accomplishment at the end of each day? If you could design your perfect day, what would it look like? Here's a pretty neat question. 
If you didn't have to work, what would you do with your time? You think you'd learn a lot about that person just asking that one question? What makes you happy? Conversely, what frustrates you? And finally, how do you like to be rewarded or acknowledged for a job well done? Be very, very careful about making the assumption that, well, hey, I like the spotlight. I'm assuming everyone else likes the spotlight as well. And then you go ahead and acknowledge someone who might be a top producer in front of a team. And then after that meeting, that person calls you up and says, hey, boss, I really, really appreciate what you did. However, it makes me really uncomfortable to be acknowledged in front and praised in front of a, a group of people. I'd rather you do a one-on-one. -on -one. And you're sitting there thinking, but I like the spotlight. I like it when I'm acknowledged in front of a group. Okay, fine. That's you. That's not them, which is why we have to be careful of, of, of avoiding of falling into the trap of coaching in your own image. Selling in your own image, motivating in your own image. Okay, so now here we are. We've done the interviewing process, the hire. Let's just run through this pretty quickly because to me, the onboarding process is the most important thing I want to make sure we cover. Most of this is, is pretty much baked into your HR compliance processes. So, what must a job offer include? I just put this in here as a checkbox for you. You need job details. You need salary and commission, the benefits, contingencies. I actually write here a 30-day assessment period. I actually find the clients that are able to do this um, in a way where it's compliant uh, is letting that new hire know that, hey, we just went through um, the whole process. We went through the onboarding. Now we have 30 days to assess whether or not this is really a fit. Okay, uh, number, uh, keep going. The statement of the letter that takes precedence, contact information, instructions for accepting the offer. But remember here, just a few quick points. Cover important job details before you make the offer. Make a job offer over the phone or during a, a video call first. Use an effective offer letter and a professional letter template. Speed up the approval process. Guys, how many think you've lost good people because you've waited too long and they decided to go with another company? Point made. And finally, um, HR compliance processes, policies, procedures, uh, social media. What are the rules of the game? Okay, so that's it. Those are the typical steps that you need as an organization to be in compliance. Okay, now let's move into the fun part and where everything can actually break down and you can have the greatest hire and this is where it all falls apart, okay? Does your onboarding process look like this? Okay, you're hired, here's your computer, here's your call list, here's your desk, good luck, okay? Well, unfortunately, I've seen that happen way too often. So I wanna share with you the five phases of employee onboarding, okay? Now remember, um, there's the interview process, there's the onboarding process, and then there's the ongoing coaching and development process. It's like a stool. If one of those legs are missing, the stool will fall. 
It has to be a perfect storm. Right candidate, right hiring process, right onboarding and ongoing coaching and development process. If any of those are missing, it will be a failed hire. So five quick phases of employee onboarding, the pre-boarding. Once you've accepted the letter, okay, time, there's a lot to learn. Uh, what pre-work do they need to do before the onboarding starts and welcoming a new employee? Uh, training, of course, product knowledge, company story, sales process. What else do they need to be trained in prior to being let out uh, and being on their own? Number four, transitioning into the new role, transitioning into the team, into the company, with the people they're working with, even um, if they're taking over someone else's book of business. Well, that person needs to make introductions to the new hire who's going to be now managing that book of business. But this is the big miss. It's step five, ongoing coaching and development. And if you don't believe me, maybe you'll believe the Carnegie Institute of Technology. Think about where you're investing your time during training. As a matter of fact, 85% of your financial success is due to your personality and ability to communicate, negotiate, and lead. Shockingly, only 15% is due to technical knowledge. I want you to think about where you spend most of your time onboarding and training. Most companies will say it's around the company, our story, our products and services. And when it comes to, well, what about the sales process? Oh, well, we give them our sales outline. And then managers wonder why they have their A players, their B players, and their C players. So how do we avoid that? How do we avoid having someone go through the onboarding process, get, an, get the offer, right? We, we hired, going backwards here, onboarding, offer, interview, right? We did all those steps. And here we are in the onboarding process. How do you assess whether they're getting it or not? How do you assess whether they're learning it? How do you assess if they built their competencies during the onboarding process? See, what happens is a lot of people, a lot of companies push people through the onboarding process and then push them right out into their position. But at what point during your entire two-week or three-week or four-week onboarding process do you actually test them to see if they've you to succeed in their role? So, for example, if the first week is all about company story and presentation, what do you think you're going to do at the end of the week? Have them deliver a presentation to you. If the second week is focusing about uh, specifically the discovery process, what do you think you want them to do at the end of that week? Qualify and, and use that opportunity to leverage the discovery process with you and see how that conversation flows. This is an opportunity to test them to ensure they get it. What about CRM? One of our favorite topics, right? How do you know if A, they're using it and B, they know how to use it? Only by observing them. And listen, <laughs> this is the first two, three, four weeks that they're working with you. 
This is the honeymoon period, everyone. This is when they're supposed to be on their very best behavior. Because after this, it ain't going to get any better. And if they're showing their best foot forward, if they're not showing their talent, their ability, and the value to the company, you made the wrong hire. But here's the thing. You can assess that during the onboarding process. Test them every time you share something that you're teaching them to ensure they get it. They can't fake that. Okay. Now, biggest question I hear when it comes to whether it's onboarding or training is key. When do I train and when do I coach? Okay. Now, if we look at training real quickly as a one-way dissemination of information, facts, figures, strategies, how to do something like if you want to learn how to play golf, for example, you need your instructor, instructor to train you how to play. Now, once you have a baseline of core competencies and best practices, the coaching kicks in. Okay, so just like any sport, soccer, rugby, football, it doesn't matter. Okay, everyone is taught the same way. Everyone is taught the same skill, the same way uh, of how to uh, play the game, engagement, uh, keeping score, uh, the positions. They're all taught the same thing. However, once the foundation is poured, that's when the coach is on the sidelines observing the players play. Okay, because your players can't self-diagnose when they're in the middle of the game. So once the foundation is poured, coaching kicks in. My question to you that you're probably thinking about is key. When do I advise and when do I ask? When do I give them the answer and when do I ask a question? Well, here's four questions that you can use to assess in a need, in a, whether or not this is a coaching conversation or a training conversation. Number one, how much experience have, had, have you had around? No experience, training. Had experience, coaching. How have you handled a similar situation before? Never handled one before. Training. This is how I've handled it before, boss. Coaching. How much training have you had on X, Y, and Z? None. Training. Some. Coaching. And finally, how familiar are you with? Fill in the blank. I'm not familiar with that at all. Training. Actually, I'm very familiar with it. So let's keep going because there's one or two more conversations I want to make sure we cover. Uh, and if we have any questions that are still popping up, because I see a couple of questions coming in, we'll certainly go ahead and attack those. Uh, for those of you um, where I'm not able to get to your question, do not worry. I'm going to be providing you all of my contact information in a few minutes. Now, here's where I want to go and be fine back to what I said before, that the new strategy, the new culture, the new sales strategy, the new leadership strategy is care. And that's why great companies recognize the need to train managers, to train their employees on new critical conversations with their team and customers that connect people in a deeper, personal, and more meaningful way. Does anyone here know how to do that? No. Why? Because none of us have ever gone through a pandemic 
and neither has your boss, your CEO. Okay. So I'm sharing with you conversations that need to be had because of the statistics I shared with you earlier, 82% level of disengagement. Well, why do you think that is? People don't feel connected to the company if they're working remotely. They feel like they're on an, they're on an island. Maybe they don't, they don't feel supported. Maybe they're not engaged because they're not able to collaborate with their team. I mean, think about the last time you had actual meeting where people came in face to face. It's probably the best meeting you've ever had because people thrive for that interpersonal relationship and connection. So let's build on this here, okay? It's not only now only talking about the position, but it's about talking about their career objectives, their skills, their goals, personally and professionally, what motivates you, okay? And of course, coaching. How can we coach and make sure you're enrolled in coaching and understand how I manage? Because if you don't like to be coached or if you don't want to be coached, well, then I guess that's a disqualifier right there. So the big miss is ongoing coaching. And again, let's just go through this pretty quickly. Why? Because daily coaching creates a learning mindset. Daily coaching builds trust. It assimilates people into the culture. These are probably benefits that you may not have always seen when you see the benefit of coaching, because this is tying in coaching with a new hire, recognizing the opportunity for everyone's growth and success reinforces desired behavior by coaching the win to identify best practices. Here's a big toxic challenge a lot of managers fall into. They're like heat-seeking missiles. They only want to focus on solving problems. Well, what about when someone does something good? Coach the win so they know what behaviors to continue to um, engage in to generate the same results. And coaching is really the glue that bonds personal goals and values with your company's values, goals, and that creates personal accountability. And of course, coaching at the end of the day makes people more valuable each and every day and in every conversation you have. So here are just nine deeper questions to help people create a balanced life. And these are questions that either managers never thought of, number one, or number two, you might be looking at these and saying, Keith, can I even ask these questions? Are they even HR compliant? Yes, because the rules have changed and we need to develop deeper relationships on a one-dimensional screen, sometimes hiring people that you've never even met face-to-face. So this is a question, this is a deeper conversation to connect you and that person on a deeper level and support them, not only about just their job, but about their life. Because there's no more line between personal and professional. It's just life. So number one, what if anything are you struggling with? How are you managing and balancing your personal responsibilities while staying productive at work? Walk me through how you manage your day. How have you set boundaries and expectations with the people you live with at home to ensure you're productive and not distracted? What's your daily self-care regimen? There's one thing that's been thrown out the window, it's self-care. If you don't have the appointment, you don't have the commitment, make sure that's scheduled, okay? 
How do you turn work off at the end of the day? You know, are you living at work or are you working at home? Think about that one, okay? At the end of the day, said a different way, how are you being present in the moment? Uh, as a manager, what's your preferred method of communication? How often do you want to meet with the team? And how can I best support you? Okay, those questions help people in their remote life. And here are three more questions that to make your life easier as you're going through the onboarding process, as afterwards you want to hold them accountable. Managers bang their head against the wall trying to figure out how to hold people accountable, whether it's a new hire or a veteran to do so. Number one, what type of reward or incentive would drive you to achieve even more? And here are the accountability questions, okay? Here's how you avoid confrontation because we know you don't want to micromanage people and we know we don't want to give you too much rope, okay, for them to hang themselves with. How can I hold you accountable? How can I hold you accountable? Or if you want to say it a softer way, how can I be your accountability partner in a way that would sound supportive rather than negative? And how can I approach you if you don't follow through with the commitments you made? What would be a good way to bring this up so you'd be open to my ideas? Now you don't have to sit there and figure out how people like to be held accountable or worse, hold them accountable like you like to be held accountable. And again, that's the trap of coaching in your own image. So as we continue to wrap up here, we have three minutes left and I think we're gonna wrap up on time. Uh, I, I know there might be some questions that have not been answered. I'm gonna share with you my contact information and actually a bonus for all the people here that were present because you deserve it. So as we conclude our session today, think about what the primary objective is for every company or leader. It's to make your people more valuable. Now, think about it. What's the question you wake up and ask yourself every day? As a manager, as a salesperson, how am I going to achieve my business objectives today? My friends, that's the wrong question. The right question you need to ask yourself every morning is, what do I need to do to make people and myself more valuable today than they were yesterday? That's the fundamental mind shift every organization, every manager needs to make to truly make your people the priority. So in conclusion, people create the mindset. Mindset shapes behavior. Behavior defines culture and ultimately culture determines success. That is why the primary business objective is to make your people and your customers more valuable every day. So as I promised, a few things that I want to share with you. Number one, you're going to be getting a copy of my PowerPoint. I will post it in my next post on LinkedIn. Okay, if you don't receive it, feel free to ping me on LinkedIn. My personal information is kr at keithrosen.com. If there was a question I didn't get to answer for you, feel free to email it to me. If you would like my mobile number and text it to me, my mobile number is 516-231-2774. And if you're wondering why Keith is giving his mobile number, 
it's because that is my commitment to you. Like it or not, I'm your unconditional coach for life. Uh, the final two things I want to share. Number one, make sure we're connected on LinkedIn and Twitter because I'm always posting new resources and information. And finally, because you are here, I am offering you a free event. If you would like me to either review your onboarding or interviewing or recruiting process for free, it would be my guess. Of course, everything will be held in the strictest of confidence. And finally, if you would like me to have a Q&A event with your salespeople or your sales leaders, it would be my pleasure to facilitate that for you absolutely free. So I know people are struggling today, and this is my way of giving back to try to support those people who normally wouldn't be able to get uh, connected with me. So uh, I hope you found our session valuable. Uh, if you have any questions, you know where to find me. Uh, remember the ABCs of onboarding, interviewing, and hiring. Always be coaching. Wishing you all extreme success and make it a great week, everyone. Bye-bye.